Well, welcome this morning to Church of the Apostles. My name is Art Going. Um, I'm the fill-in priest for the summer. And uh, this is turning out to be a morning of surprises. Um, We thought we'd have lights. Nice that you all have kind of chosen to sit places where the light is provided. Um, I woke up this morning to realize that uh, we're, the apartment we're living in on, on Park Avenue is uh, right at the heart of Puerto Rico Day. And, um, and so uh, the, the soundtrack began early. Um, I turned around, uh, we were on our way, and I turned around and took Nancy back because our dog would totally freak out. Uh, with all the noise, and um, I'm not sure when this afternoon I'll be able to get back onto the street. So, um, it's great, it's great. Uh, Seaside Park is going to be a fun place this afternoon. If, by chance, you're a guest here today, uh, we're really glad you came. Uh, We're in the midst of a summer series. We're just beginning on Paul's letter to the Colossians. Um, This is a great church. I've known that from a distance for a while, and I'm just beginning to to discover it in these early weeks of the summer. Uh, Those of you who have been here a long time know that, and I hope you're as eager as I am to tell newcomers what a wonderful family of God this is. Uh, Here at Apostles, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're seeking to become followers of Jesus. You know that. I was tempted to invite you all to say the mission statement with me, but you probably haven't looked at it in a while, so I'll say it again for you. By the Holy Spirit, we're seeking to become Christ followers who treasure his mission, his worship, his word, and his people. We'd love to get to know you. Mostly, though, we hope you're here to get to know better our Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we would see Jesus today. Heavenly Father, we would hear Jesus today. Heavenly Father, we would be moved to follow Jesus today and throughout this week in the power of his spirit. Amen. So we're in Colossians 1 and 2, and I'll explain why we're in 1 and 2, both of those chapters this morning. Uh, Last week we began by taking a cue from Paul and giving thanks for three gifts, three things that Paul told the Colossians that he was thankful for, three things that we can thank God for, three things that define us. One, we have a family. Look around, this is our family in Christ, a precious gift, not something to be taken lightly or for granted. Secondly, we have people praying for us. There was that wonderful part of last week's passage, the opening verses of of Colossians, where Paul reminds the Colossians that even though he's never met them, he's never been to Colossae, um, he'll never meet them face to face. In spite of that, from a prison cell, he has been praying for them. As he's heard from Epaphras, their founding church planting pastor, about how the gospel has borne fruit and created faith and hope and love among them. And so he prays for them. He said, every time I pray with thanksgiving, I remember you. 
We have a family. We have people praying for us. And most important of all, Paul said, we have a gospel. And this gospel has transformed us, even as it transformed utterly the Colossians. It totally changed their lives. And the rest of the letter will take us inside the contours of that transformation. And to use Paul's language, that same gospel that transforms you and me is bearing fruit all over the world. Paul says right at the outset, in other words, that the Colossians are true Christians and they have a true gospel. True Christians with faith, hope, and love. Faith in Christ, a consequence of God at work in their lives. Faith is a work of grace, a gift. And that faith has generated among them love. And and that's mostly how Paul sees and hears how the gospel has borne fruit. The fruit that the gospel has borne is their love for one another. The love you have for all the saints is what Paul called it. By grace and the power of the Spirit, they've been brought into relationship not just with Jesus, but with his people. That's why we say what we say in our mission statement here at Apostles. And these relationships of faith, our relationship with God in Christ, and love, our relationship with each other, those relationships are the product, Paul says, of hope, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. The Colossians are true Christians because they've heard the true gospel. Paul calls it the word of truth. It's the same gospel, he says, it's being heard and received in the whole world. It's the same gospel that you've heard, that generated faith in your hearts. It's the same gospel that will continue to do its work, creating churches like this all over the planet. It's the same gospel in Rwanda, Uganda, the Philippines, North Carolina. Yeah, even there. It's bearing fruit and growing in all kinds of soils, in all climates. This spontaneous expansion, that's what one great Anglican missionary uh, called it, Roland Allen, who worked in China at the beginning of the 20th century. He called it the spontaneous expansion of the church. And it's due to the productive power of the simple gospel message, the message of grace, which the Colossians, still reviewing just a bit, had learned from the lips of Epaphras, Paul's beloved fellow servant, and now is confirmed by their reported love in the Spirit. So, in order to to really dig into Colossians, um, I need to jump ahead for just a moment to two verses in chapter 2. They're the thematic center of the whole letter. So, um, if we could have the slide up here, there you go. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. So, read with me. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, the phrase that I'm going to want to focus on a lot this morning is, so walk in him. It's kind of an interesting phrase. To walk in Christ is Paul's driving ambition for the Colossians. We have a lot of ambitions coursing around this room, I'm sure. Career goals, family goals, retirement goals, financial goals, 
all kinds of ambitions mark our lives. Wouldn't it be awesome if the driving ambition of all of us were that we would walk in Christ? It's a bit of a strange phrase. So look at the next version of this uh, from the New Revised Standard Version. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him. That's what walk means. There's a continuity. There's a purpose. There's a drive. And then finally, let's look at this last. This is from Eugene Peterson's The Message, his wonderful paraphrase, okay? Uh, Just listen as I read this. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus the Master. Now live him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. School's out. It's a great take on what Paul's message here is. Chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, as I say, are the thematic center of the entire letter. And what I'm going to do uh, in the next several sermons is to use these two verses to kind of structure uh, a series within the series, four sermons, on what we'll call the normal Christian life. The four phrases. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. That's today's focus. And I'm going to take you back into the earlier verses in chapter 1 to kind of give you a flavor of what Paul's talking about when he invites us to walk in Christ. But then the second phrase, rooted and built up in him, that'll be our focus in in two weeks' time when I'm back from a a quick trip. And um, we'll, we'll really dig into... Verses 124 through 25, we'll, we'll look at a, an autobiographical passage from Paul where he, he lets us get a glimpse of, of the, the challenges of his ministry and, um, and how he has defined his driving purpose for the Colossians. And then, uh, established in the faith, just as you were taught, we'll take that phrase up in a few weeks and look at chapter 2, verses 6 through 23. And then finally... We'll take a cue from the phrase abounding in thanksgiving and we'll do a deep dive into chapter 3. Three guiding principles, each referring to a different aspect of Christian growth. See, Paul is no friend of complacency. Receiving Christ, you have received Christ the Lord. Almost every translation of this chapter says the same thing. You have received Christ Jesus the Lord. If I were to ask you, have you received Jesus, all of you would raise your hand. Now, as we'll find out next week, what you mean by that and what Paul meant by that may not be quite the same thing. Uh, in, a, in American evangelical vocabulary, we customarily say things like, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And that's, that's a wonderfully winsome and... Uh, and uh, beautiful expression of the affections of our hearts when we come to follow Jesus. Paul has something a little different in mind. We'll talk about that, as I say, next week. But receiving Christ, and here's the point for this morning, receiving Christ is not the end, 
but the beginning of life. Foundations exist to be built on. What we first learned opens to us a life of ever-increasing knowledge. Watch how Paul prays for that. He says, as you received, so walk, so continue to live. This is a call to live out the Christian life in the sense of chapter 1, verse 10. We heard this before. Paul says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul's interested that we learn to walk worthy, to live a life worthy of the Lord, a life wholly consistent with the gospel. What does it mean to receive? What does it mean to walk in him? We need to explore together today and the rest of this summer both sides of that equation. There's something that's in the past for us. We have received Christ and there's now a way forward. So walk in him. Those who've received Christ Jesus as Lord must now continue to live in him. To have conduct appropriate for those who claim Jesus as Lord. To obey him, to follow him, to talk with him, to trust him, to lean on him, to look to him for comfort, to follow him wherever he leads. Christ is Lord. You have received Christ Jesus the Lord. He has a right to rule your life. I'd love to just stop there and explore what that means. Are you really ready to let Jesus have full charge? He has the right to. The earliest confession of the Christian church was Jesus is Lord. He has the last word. It's his right to determine the shape and character of my life, to establish what is worthy. Walk in him. The greatest necessity in our lives is to continue walking in him, to continue living in him. So this is an invitation as we begin this journey through Colossians together to assess where we've been, to anticipate what the Lord has in store for us and plan for his future for us. It's a reminder as well as an invitation. Just as you receive Jesus. It should be our primary goal this summer to go back to basics. To go back to where we started and stay there and thrive there. How did we start out in Christ? What did we do when we became Christians for the first time? We put aside our confidence in our own works, and we started growing in the belief that we're we're saved by faith in Christ alone, by grace. That shouldn't just be what marks the beginning of our lives as followers of Jesus. That should be our primary goal forever, to go on walking in him, continuing to live in him, just as we received him. As you were rooted, Paul says, be built up. Having been rooted in Christ. I don't know if there are any uh, grammar students or if you remember any of your English grammar, but, but, but this is, in Paul's grammar, a perfect participle. Having been rooted in Christ. Once for all. The once for all planting in Christ. But now comes a present participle. 
being built up in Christ. So there's a starting point, and there's continuing growth. In Christ alone are all true treasures to be found, is what Paul wants to say to us. So we're going to go back to basics, as it were. Walking in Christ. I I wish we had more than seven or eight weeks to really do a deep dive into this because um, as we heard this morning as we began worship, as we've already sung together, uh, we need to slow way down and, and, and refocus our attention on Christ. We skip by things so often in Paul's letters. We say, oh yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, I know that. So listen to these verses Verses 15 through 20 of chapter 1. Listen to them again. The preeminence of Christ. This is one of the most stunningly beautiful hymns to the Lord Jesus we'll ever encounter. It's it's worthy of memorization. When we say that our lives are to be walking in Christ, in what Christ are we to walk? This Christ. Listen. Listen. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, by him, through him, for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his Christ. Hallelujah. It's that Christ that Paul says we are to continue to live and walk. He's the image of the invisible God. All the fullness of God dwells in him. We love Christmas. We love celebrating the the birth of Christ as an infant. But that's not when Christ began. I mean, just... Spend some time this week reading and rereading Colossians 1, 15 through 20. And focus on the preeminence of Christ. He is the firstborn of all creation and the firstborn from the dead. He's the creator. All things by him, through him, for him. When you wake up in the morning and you see the glorious creation, that beautiful sun over Long Island Sound, when you drive through this gorgeous state and you, and you celebrate God's creation, that creation was through him, by him, and for him. He's not only the creator, he's the sustainer of all things. All things hold together in him. If your life is feeling chaotic, and mine felt a bit chaotic at the beginning of the week as as I went from an Apostles Fairfield staff meeting an hour later to an Apostles Raleigh staff meeting, to two days later to a diocesan staff meeting, and I was trying to think all week, which hat am I wearing in any given hour? 
And you know that kind of chaos and disorder and frenzy. How good it is to know that in him, in Jesus, all things hold together. He is the coherence of all creation. He's the head of the church, the firstborn from the dead, the new creation. He is the supreme Lord of all. Paul is convinced, you see, that everything we need for normal Christian life is ours in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. Everything we need for normal Christian life is ours in Christ Jesus. We're going to see this summer that for the Colossians, that was an important thing to be reminded of because they were trying to add things on. They loved the gospel, but they were kind of shopping around for gospel plus something else. They were being convinced bit by bit by other teachers that, that the gospel was good as far as it goes, but, but you need some additional practices, some additional spiritual experiences to augment the gospel, to experience the fullness of spiritual life. And Paul says, no, no, no. Everything we need for normal Christian life is ours in Jesus Christ. So if we're to be convinced that everything needed is in Christ, then we need to be convinced of who Christ is. We need a larger vision of Jesus Christ. I, I was talking to some friends, to a couple of, uh, to a young priest and, um, and a church musician, and, and they were saying, you know, it's, it's going to be time for us soon to, to recast vision. And I said, you know, I understand that language, and I've done that before. But here's the thing. The most important vision we need to cast and recast in the Christian church is a larger vision of Jesus, which we've already received. What we need, Paul says, is the Christ of biblical revelation, not the Christ of our imagination. So as a so as a pastor, it's not my job to, to, to go off, as it were, into the sweat lodge and to, and to come back with, with a new and, and, and more clever statement of where we're headed as a church. It's my job primarily to remind us all of who our Lord is. Good question for you this week is, is your vision of Jesus Christ big enough? Colossians will help expand it and enlarge it. This is the Christ you've received. Surely enough, how could there be anything more that you could need for your Christian life than this Christ? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He has reconciled us to God through the cross. Now he calls us to continue in this faith, Walking in him means trusting in him and his gospel every day. The more we walk in him individually and as a church family, the more we become what he intended us to be and the more effectively we demonstrate the authenticity of the gospel. I grew up a Lutheran and I was a Lutheran pastor for 30 years. So you'll forgive me if I quote Martin Luther once this summer. 
Luther said, I remain a student of the catechism. That means I become, I remain always a student of the gospel. We will never finish learning it. Our primary goal should be to go back again and again to where we started with Jesus. Back to where we had nothing to offer him but our sin and failure and need. To go back there and never leave there and to thrive there. Staying and going forward with what you were taught. Staying with the gospel. There's this fascinating little phrase in chapter 1, verse 23, the last verse we heard read this morning. Paul says, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, provided that you continue in the faith, A lot hinges on that. Staying with the same gospel that launched us. Too many Christians think the gospel is good just to get us launched into Christian life, and then they think it's all up to us. That's not sanctification. That's not the way of discipleship. This is what Paul says is the way. How we start is how we grow. How we start is how we grow. The same gospel that gets us started will sustain us and grow us and make us more like Jesus. So Paul prays in this opening chapter for the growth of the Colossians. You're going to see that again and again. He either alludes to a prayer or he just says it right out. Paul prays for the growth of the Colossians and for us that they may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Paul prays for a worthy walk. What does that look like? Take out the little prayer card that you got this morning. It's just my restatement of verses 10 through 12 in chapter 1. Paul prays for four things. Here's his original language. He prays that we will bear fruit in every good work, that we will increase in the knowledge of God, that we will be strengthened with all power for all endurance and patience, that we will give thanks to the Father. If we were to see that as a daily checklist, measuring our spiritual status against those goals we'd be quickly discouraged. But if we take a cue from Paul and use it not as a checklist so much as a daily prayer, we might be really surprised. Surprised to see changes in our lives that were not dependent on our resolve or effort, but on the working in us of the Holy Spirit. So pray this prayer with me, would you? Come, Holy Spirit. Fill me today with wisdom and understanding so that I may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, living what I've learned, continuing to grow in the knowledge of God, trusting in your energy, 
and giving joyful thanks to the Father. Take that home with you. Keep it in front of you where you can pray it each day. It'll be a great way to uh, accompany this sermon series on Colossians. You know, the last phrase in that thematic center, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, Paul says that we may abound in thanksgiving. It's also the last phrase of his prayer. You'll see this again and again, how Paul echoes himself all over Colossians, driving the same simple message home again and again. Paul has in mind, and he could be living among us today, those who are selling superior, deeper, abundant, and overflowing recipes for Christian living, laying down conditions for occupying higher ground, and in the process, leaving the ground of grace. The ultimate test of the quality of spiritual growth is to be filled with gratitude, to be filled with the spirit of Christ. Those are the same thing in Paul's eyes. Gratitude to God is the main characteristic of God's people. Tom Wright said, the church that learns truly to worship God is a church growing to full maturity. To be bursting with thankfulness, Dick Lucas said, is a true witness of the spirit within us. It's a mark of authentic spirituality because gratitude speaks not of our goodness, but of the goodness of God. It claims nothing. Have you ever noticed how boastful we can be? True gratitude claims nothing before God. Sees no merit in our receiving. Saying that we have received Christ Jesus the Lord is not, a, is not brownie points for us. It's not a notch in my belt. It's not a claim to fame. It's an acknowledgement that apart from Christ, we are and have nothing. It's to marvel at his mercy. As we now come to celebrate Holy Communion, it's, it's good to remember what's going on at the table. The greatest thing we need has already happened for us. Now we walk in our risen Savior. Now we live by the power of the risen Christ at work in us through the Holy Spirit. Here at this table, we feed on him And that's how we walk in him. Here we receive the very life of God, Paul says, as a free gift. And every step we take this coming week can be a step taken in Christ. And every step can have eternal value. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.